We are here now in 2015. There's a newsflash for you. When churches routinely fret about their declining membership. The world has left us behind, we fear. They think that we're medieval and reactionary, we in the church. Let's face it, sometimes we agree with them. Or maybe it's that the world has just sort of muscled the church out of the way by giving people so many things to fill up their schedules and to win their hearts. So we far too often huddle inside our walls desperately brainstorming schemes to attract more people to our church. As if we were Best Buy company or something, trying to figure out how to reclaim our market or to repackage our product as though we had completely and utterly forgotten what it is that makes us tick. Then we read about the early church uh, just a few years after Jesus' resurrection. We hear phrases like, uh, full of the Spirit, and, and the Word of God spread, and, and they devoted themselves to prayer, spreading of the Word. We, if you're like me, you marvel at the energy you find here described, and the movement, the conviction, and, and the purpose, and you think, Wow, something was going on. And there was. God was going on. Embodied in Jesus, unleashed in the Holy Spirit, a new story indeed was being told. As uh, we here at Mount Olivet uh, attempt to find our way forward in the 21st century, we are realizing collectively that the way forward has nothing to do with repackaging a shiny new product to attract people. It has everything to do with finding our place in the same story that you heard described when Don read from Acts 6, the same story that God began unfolding centuries ago and continues today. It has everything to do, finding our way today, with recognizing that the same God who was loose in the hearts and the minds and the actions of the Hebrews and the Hellenists is loose today. Under the leadership of Jesus' own disciples, the movement proclaiming the crucified and risen Christ had grown considerably beyond the Jewish community to include Greek-speaking peoples. Now, the Christian community in those days was kind of an all-inclusive community where they shared possessions and may seem alarming to we Americans, they took care of their own. They really reached out through acts of service. It was a very different kind of social construct. Now, anyone familiar with church life knows that every once in a while, someone complains about something. Even here. No, it's true. Maybe once, twice a year. Why don't the youth have to memorize Bible verses like we did in our day? We need more contemporary worship. We need less contemporary worship. Why is the pastor so obsessed with movies? <laughs> so forth. The list goes on. And so it came to the attention of the apostles who functioned kind of like pastors. The daily meals were not being served to the Greek widows. I believe the translation says they complained about it. Now, these widows were very dependent on others. There was potential here with such a complaint uh, for both cross-cultural and class 
conflict. Look out. But this was a new day. Gentiles were part of the Christian family now, and Jesus had made clear that uh, the least among us are blessed. So it says they gathered the whole community to resolve uh, the issue. Sounds like kind of a mess to me, but uh, so be it. Now, I have no doubts that the ones <clears throat> complaining thought that it was the apostles' responsibility to get out and feed those widows. I just have no doubt whatsoever about that. But the apostles recognized three things immediately. Number one, this movement is getting big and we had better delegate and delegate quickly. Number two, this movement belongs to the Holy Spirit who calls every one of us to find our place in this new story. And number three, discernment is needed about what each one of us does. And that means saying yes to some things and saying no to a whole lot of more things. Perhaps a skill that all of us could benefit from. Now, in the case of the apostles, it meant saying yes to their call to be teachers and spiritual leaders, but no to administrating this new social ministry, however important that it was. So, the apostles said essentially to the complainers, do you see a need among you? You be the solution. God is hereby calling you to a mission. Find among yourselves seven men who are filled with the Holy Spirit to manage the daily distribution of food to the Greek widows. There you have it. And it turns out all seven of those names that Don read are Greek names. There you have it. Now, did everyone then who was gathered say, hey, wait a minute, they're not supposed to do the work. You're the apostles, for goodness sake. You're supposed to do it. No. It says that everyone was pleased by the apostles' suggestion. And when that happens, it's either fiction or it's a miracle. Perhaps it really was a miracle here. Why do you think it said that they were all pleased? Maybe because they realized that if those seven have important roles in God's work, then maybe we all do. Maybe you do, and you do, and I do. We all do. And that's exciting news. These seven men are then commissioned with the laying on of hands, signifying not only God's blessing, but also God's power being unleashed in them. After that, it says that the word of God spread, and many others came to believe. Now, the Word of God here doesn't mean um, they spread Bibles around because they didn't even have Bibles yet. The Word of God uh, means here, uh, and what it continues to be today, a living Word, the Word that tells of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus the Christ, and this living Word has breath behind it. It has the breath of people behind it who proclaim it, and ultimately, the breath of God. It's living. Of course there's breath. So they met their challenge by diffusing the leadership. They spread out the work, which then allowed the word of God to spread out, which resulted in the church spreading out. You see the chain reaction. Like then we have challenges today, I think, a few. Do we, Michelle, who assumes the role of president of the congregation? Yeah. We do. 
People around us are hungry and thirsty for good news in many ways, shapes, and forms. But the good news that we have often gets garbled and comes out as bad news. Uh-oh. It happens by judging people too often and fearfully clinging to old ways and so on. Clinging to old ways in a way that betrays a sense of faith and trust. And yet God is still at work today, and he doesn't give up on us, but calls us to focus on the good news, not the bad news. So Mount Olivet, you see, is in the midst of our own reformation, where we are learning to listen to the voices that are out there, the voices of people who are hungry and thirsty for good news, people in whom God is already at work, people with whom we might partner and already have. Rediscovering our missional identity in this West Metro community is strategic priority number one. And Kirsten Kessel, as you know, or may not know, has been commissioned to lead us in that task. I'm going to, sh I'm going to throw in a couple of uh, pictures, too. If I show you these two pictures and I ask, okay, where's the, where's the church? You got those pictures? Okay, where's the church? Is it there or is it there? All right, which, which one is the church, kids? What's that? That's the church? Okay, not the chapel across the street? Oh, you are. So, does everybody agree with um, Nathan? Nathan? Yeah, so does that mean it's not the first building at all? They both are. It was a trick question, and he's just way ahead of all of us. The church is anytime people are gathered in the name of uh, Christ, the Christ who gathers us, irrespective of a building, that is the church, and so is the building as well. And that's what missional identity is getting after. You may have noticed that this congregation is finding more and more ways to make connections in our community with those who have important stories to tell, those whom God is calling to us. There's a group of Mount Olivet folks who decided we needed to get to know our neighbors. You can look out the window. You can see uh, Parkside Apartments right over here. Because, frankly, we've had very little connection with them in the past. So, this Mount Oliver group experimented with ways to create community with our neighbors. I believe Roy was rather involved in that effort. And after some trial and some error, where it would have been easy to say, well, that didn't work, I guess that was a bad idea, they kept at it, and a genuine fellowship has been formed. God called this Mount Olivet group to take a chance to be willing to fail but to keep trying. Now, currently, there are many such partnerships that have started and, and uh, ones that have been around and are, and are flourishing, like Home Free, Habitat, Prism, Kid Pack, Second Harvest, uh, just to name a few. Now, let's come back to the seven appointed people in our text. Who are the seven today? Is it the church council? Is it diaconal ministers like Kirsten? The seven are you, Mindy, and you, Greg, and you, Dave, and you, Vicki, and you, Roy, and you, Janet. You, you, and you. You are, the, I know that if you count that up, that's more than seven. I don't care. You are the seven 
for there is work to be done. We are the members of a movement, the movement of God in this world, the movement of love, of hope, and of promise, the bearers of good news. We are not peddling a product. We're part of a movement. And everyone is called. Roughly a year ago, one of our members, Tracy Dikovich, began a small group called Healing Touch uh, Ministries. I believe we have some Healing Touch uh, members right here this, uh, tonight. Maybe not. I th how many have experienced Healing Touch and gone and spent some time with... Uh, uh, yeah, it's a powerful, powerful experience, is it not? This is a group of people who believe... Um, have the audacity to believe that Jesus' healing ministry didn't just stop in 33 AD. So they help people today experience Jesus' peace and healing. Now, nobody on staff told Tracy to do this. She just did it because the Holy Spirit told her to do it. And today the group has grown and dozens and dozens of you have experienced this ministry through these servants. The point here is this. Uh, Tracy and Marcy and Kathy and Kim and the others... They don't go to church, they are the church. You've heard, you've heard us talk about that a little bit. Uh, that's a big idea, and it's true. Uh, they are the church, and so are you. And this is what Mount Olivet is discovering right now. The power of seven times seven times seven. Quick, anybody know what that is? Seven times seven times seven? Joe Kotz actually did the math and came up with uh, the number on that one. If we have any mathematicians here, uh, that's kind of what we're talking about here. As Luther might say, you are all priests, pastors, bishops, and popes. Although given how Luther felt about the pope, calling us popes may not have been a compliment. The point being, you are the church. That you are the church is strategic priority number two for us, and Pete Erickson is leading us to reimagine ourselves uh, this way as the priests, the pastors, and the popes. Now, I'm going to do another... Um, couple images up here, and I want to ask you, which vehicle can carry more weight? The unicycle, a one-wheeler, or an 18-wheeler? All right, kids, help me with this one. Don't, I no, not you this time. You're just too smart. Okay. Although this one, don't think too hard on this one. Which, which, which one carries more weight, the 18-wheeler or the one? Don't overthink it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. It's kind of like the church. You can let uh, one person, a staff person, or a super volunteer person be the unicycle, or we can say, hey, we're all part of an 18-wheeler or a 500-wheeler, and look at what you can carry when everyone is a wheel on this thing. It's a big, big difference. As we realign and redesign and inevitably trim down our staff a little bit this year, this is what we are increasingly committed to, helping you to find your place in what God is up to, helping you to lead and initiate or just find the right place to plug in. The three meetings that Pete is leading this year for small group leaders is exactly this, and, and you're clearly catching on. The second midwinter meeting, I know some of you are at that, increased quite a bit from the fall meeting. But Pete's work embraces far more than just small group leaders, for all of you, again, are the seven, whether you lead a small group or not. And we'll be using Strength Finders um, as a tool to help you find out more about your strengths and how you are called. Finally, you may have noticed in Acts 6 that as the whole community gathered, 
They describe a presence that centers them, a word that is a living word, an experience of being full of the Spirit, devoting themselves to prayer with this living God. And when they do the laying on of hands, this is far more than a, good luck, you guys, hope it goes well. Um, No, it's the power of the living God being acknowledged and conferred. These folks were dwelling in God, something we're seeking to do. They were keenly aware of what Luther spoke of when he said that the power of the Holy Spirit is given to us and is at work in, with, and under us. Strategic priority three is learning how to form Christian community, which means two things, gathering and centering, gathering and centering. Pastor Beth has taken the lead in helping us uh, learn how to gather and center and do it. Um, Gathering around a a center simply means this, Jesus Christ, the living God, whose spirit is given to us. This is why we dwell in the word as we do. And it's why we are practicing the presence of God through that uh, figure eight uh, thing, the listen, um, the listen point and do, listen point uh, do. It's why we're learning what it means to be a Lutheran and, and why we're learning what it means not only for our youth to learn uh, the, the Lord's Prayer, Creed, and Ten Commandments, but, but even we adults to learn it and to relearn it. Life is a faith uh, a lifelong journey. Faith is a lifelong journey. Let me, I'll get that right. And as we gather around this center, we are discovering uh, new ways uh, that the power and richness of relationships and community um, feeds us. Here's, a, here's just a quick example. Pastor Beth and I uh, both recently visited one of our members in the hospital. And while he appreciated our, our visits a lot, he also got a visit from his men's Bible study group. Pretty much the whole group came there gathered around him and prayed with him. And as Merle told me about this, he said uh, he got tears in his eyes when his Bible study uh, comrades gathered with him. Christian community right there. This congregation is on a a wonderful journey of discovery. It's filled with mistakes, with frustrations, but also with breakthroughs and spreading of God's word. And so, we are here now, but won't be for long, and now you don't even have to ask why. I hope you know it's because God is in motion, and therefore, so are we. Amen. Okay, let's sing together. Please stand.